2: Hey, everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Variety and iHeart podcast, The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Coming up on today's show, Tracy Ellis Ross. Honestly, she's one of the nicest, most down to earth celebs you will ever meet in Hollywood. We talk her fourth Emmy nomination for Blackish why she'll still get glammed up for the big night, even if it's virtual, and what her mom, the legend who is Diana Ross, thinks about her recent big-screen singing debut. Then later in the show, a first-timer for me, Samantha B, the late-night talk show host, and I chatted about shooting full frontal in quarantine, why she remains very cautiously hopeful about the election, and why she's never actually invited Donald Trump to be on her show. I'll have Tracy Ellis Ross after this short break. I'll be right back. Welcome back to the big ticket. Tracy Ellis Ross returns to the Emmys this year. She's a four time nominee for her work on Blackish. I caught up with her over Zoom from her home in Los Angeles.
3: The weirdness is nothing compared to what so many people are experiencing. So I'm. It's very true. uh, It's an adjustment. It's bizarre, you know, trying to figure out how to stay safe, kind of move back into life. I don't know. Like we're going back on Blackish, and it's so bizarre.
2: (laughs) When do you go back?
3: We had our first table read um, and we're sort of trickling in, in in sort of small ways, but I think we're actually officially back in production on the 24th.
2: How bizarre. I mean, it's it shouldn't be bizarre. You're going back into production. That's work. It's bizarre.
3: Um. And um, what they've done, they've really, I mean, all of these productions, they, with SAG have done, have figured out like a whole new scenario for protocols of safety that uh, like, for example, next week, I believe I go to get the walkthrough of some of the, you know, there's a pathway for walking. There's like all these different things. Yeah. No congregating. No, there's like, I think there's no sides on set. None of the, no paper of any kind. um, No passing of pens, highlight, like none of that exists. So oh, oh, it'll, yeah, no eating or drinking on set. Uh, these are some of the things I've heard. I haven't even yeah. gotten the official walkthrough. I don't know, I'm game. I, I, I feel really blessed to be able to go back on the show. Um, but what that looks like, I have no idea. And let me tell you something, I haven't even been to the market since March. So really? I haven't left my house. So we'll see how this goes. People, yeah. I'm gonna be like, oh, look at you, a real person. Get away from me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> did you do the table read virtually or did you do it? Yeah. Wow. Casey Ellis Ross, how are you?
3: I'm great, I'm happy to see you. You look wonderful <laughs> and dapper.
2: Oh, thank you, thank you. I gotta do it at least for Zoom too. I gotta feel, I'm, I know, wear I know. Sho- I'm wearing shorts, but you know.
3: I mean, <laughs> listen, I have no shoes on, but I definitely put on something, put on some lipstick. Let me tell you something, nobody gets mascara, but you do get an eyebrow and a lip.
2: <laughs> okay, fourth Emmy nomination, hello? Does it ever get old?
3: (laughs) So exciting. I will tell you, though, that I, it was not on my radar at all. I literally did not even know it was happening that morning. So when I turned my phone on, I was like, what is going on? This is terrifying. And then it was like, congrats. I was like, for what? For what? I had no idea.
2: You had no idea.
3: My attention is on other things, like my laundry (laughs) and changing my sheets and mopping my floor and swiffering and
2: Uh, the swiffing, Uh, the swiffering, you know,
3: I'm, I'm very, I like things like I like things. I like everything just so, and that requires a lot of attention. And I'll be honest with you. I love this part of my life. I never get to do it. So the cooking, the cleaning, the being tethered to my own experience is, Mm. you know, I'm usually like running through the house, like, scarfing food down (laughs) while I'm doing 17 other things so it's good
2: yeah so
1: you don't get used to it fourth Emmy nomination you said you know you're getting texts you're getting people are
2: calling you and are they like you didn't know
3: no I didn't know Well, you know, I wasn't nominated last year, so I just assumed I, you know, three nominations was great. I'm good, you know what I mean? I I won a Golden Globe. I'm like, all right, what do we dream of now? Something else. I don't know. Don't get me wrong. I would really like to win an Emmy. But more than that, I would really like people to vote in the general election and get informed. But that's besides the point. Um, I would love to win. And I love being nominated. It's exceptional. But when I wasn't last year, I just thought I wouldn't be again this year. I don't know.
2: Why do you think you get it this year?
3: I don't know. (laughs) Because, you know why? Because I think my performances were off the charts. I reached into people's hearts right through their televisions. And I was like, hello, remember me? Hello, remember me? That's what happened.
2: I feel like that was just an audition for when Broadway comes back.
3: (laughs) I don't know what that was, but that's what happened. (laughs) Clearly, Bo Johnson, like, Snape right in there.
2: (laughs) How great is it when you look at the show? Obviously, you know, it's a sitcom. It's funny. You have the serious stuff. The Juneteenth episode, you know, I I interviewed Kenya, and he told me that it was ABC's idea to re-air it. It's
3: very, very cool. You know, I think what it does, and it's so interesting to me because it really shows the impact that television has, especially when you have people that are willing to tell stories that match the lives that we're all living, not tell mm-hmm. stories that have been told before, but instead really lean into um, untold storytelling. And I feel like Blackish has done that from the beginning, and particularly now um, in this pandemic and in the new wave of racial reckoning that's happening in such a public way, not to say that it went away, um, but I think people have. The ability to kind of look back at episodes of Blackish and realize, like, we've been telling these stories and utilize television as a bridge, as a way to kind of um, connect the dots of humanity where people can see and understand in different ways. And I think we've been doing that on Blackish, and then particularly now, um, it becomes glaringly obvious and clear. Um, how important television is as we make our way through some of these
2: things. So will the pandemic be a part of the new season?
3: I don't know. But what I do know, I can't tell you. (laughs) I mean... I gotta
1: ask. (laughs)
3: Yeah, of course you do. You know, I'm not totally sure how we're going to weave it in, but Bo Johnson is a doctor. Yeah. Um, And there's a lot of things happening in our world that Blackish always takes a look at. So I can't imagine that we wouldn't now. Um, We did our first two table reads and we'll see what sort of evolves from there.
2: What was it like doing a table read on Zoom?
3: So I was really worried actually. I was worried because our table reads are notorious. Like we, our group is like, we have really fun, hilarious table reads. Mm. Testament to the writers, testament to the chemistry. Like it just, it's special. And so I was worried that, like, that was going to rob us of the thing that makes, you know, starts the beginning of each episode in such a magic and special way. And it gives you this sort of vision. It was great, is all I can Mm. say. Our chemistry translates through the Zoom. Um, The writing was translating through the Zoom. And I think that's one of the things that I will say from a personal standpoint I'm really grateful to be going back to work on a show that I've been on for this long with people that I feel safe with, that I trust. Um, It feels like going back to your family. So even if you separate us a little bit more, even if you can only connect us through a Zoom or whatever that is, there's enough history here that we, we can find that anyway. And so oh. I, um, I don't feel as worried as I did before the table read. I feel like we'll be able to figure this out.
2: How worried are you about Hollywood bouncing back? I mean, it's serious economic consequences.
3: I'm worried about our country bouncing back. Yes. I mean, you know, um, there are many more people in Hollywood and in this industry than just the actors and right. producers. Um, there are people whose, you know, lives, um, everybody's lives have been affected, but clearly in a very deep and impactful way. Um, I, I worry about everybody, you know, um, Mm. the unemployment disproportionately is affecting people of color and women. Um, those that are in essential jobs are mostly, um, disproportionately, uh, women and, um, people of color. And I don't know, I, 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 it'll be interesting. I can't really say because we haven't gone back to work, but I'm really curious what mm-hmm. happens, you know, can we do as many episodes? Can you get as much done in a day? Can you, you know, all of those kinds of things, do all departments still have the same amount of people? Is everybody, it, like, I, I, these are questions I have that, um, will be really interesting to kind of walk through.
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, I think sets are, it's just not going to be as many people. That's that's how the disease, the virus, you know, transmits. So it's like, you lessen the people, you lessen the touch points and...
3: Um, yeah, somebody loses a job here then, but then, you know, maybe certain departments gain, like the PAs and people that can right. kind of move up into the industry, actually, maybe there's more of them because they have to sort of be separated in different places, I, you know? I don't know, but I, I think all of us, like, you know, it's frustrating because you feel like this could have been handled so much better.
2: Literally. That's what I just said to my husband. (laughs) Cause I just, the the news just came out that Warner brothers let go of 800 people.
3: It's just, it's, it's really, (laughs) you know,
2: it didn't have to be that way.
3: No, it did not. It really didn't. And I I mean, obviously, I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a governor. I'm not a mayor. I don't, I don't know the machinations and the specificity of what needs to be done and how, but any normal person can look at this and go, this is a mess. Like, what is happening here? Like, if you were, if you were just looking at it like a family and a parent, you're like, that parent has fallen down on the job. That parent is messing up, people. <laughs> everybody's suffering because of that one parent, you know, like it's, you're just like, come on. It's really, so that's upsetting. And I'm like, and this is it to me, it's like, this is not a party thing. This is not a political thing. This is like, this is a human thing. We're humans and everybody, you know, same thing with masks, all that, but the, you know, that's besides the point. And that's not the, you know, whatever, right. but I hate that. I It's so upsetting what this is really doing to people. Um, yeah. And how it's affecting lives. And uh it breaks my heart. And and I wish there was more I could do to help.
2: So how do you how does the town balance here's the Emmys, they'll be virtual, but how do you celebrate all that while all of this is going on?
3: Well, I think part of what all of us have learned is you need to cherish the special moments, cherish the joyful moments. Look for the joyful moments because the darkness is waiting for you. It's not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Like it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, though, you know, it's exciting. But I'm not going to lie. Getting people to vote for the general election, making sure people are registered, getting people to fill out their senses, making sure that census, making sure that people feel um, engaged and participatory in being an American citizen at this moment, being civically engaged, all of those kinds of things. And if the Emmys ends up being an opportunity for all of us to keep that messaging going, then we'll be it's fantastic. And don't think, from this couch, I'm not gonna put on a gown.
2: Well, that was my next question. What are you gonna do?
3: I mean, I don't know, but it's gonna be something. There might be a red carpet out on the street in front of my house, but I'm not letting a fancy moment go by. I might not put on high heels because I'd be happy to maybe never put them on again. <laughs> I don't need an evening bag. It was so funny. I looked at my closet the other day. I was like, ah, interesting. Evening bags. What is that for? I haven't even used a person ages.
2: Like what? Oh, please, I've gotten to the point where I go on Amazon and you know what my search says? Elastic waistbands.
3: Exactly. Tell you something. <laughs> I put on a pair of jeans the other day and I was like, what are these for? This is stupid these hurt I was like they're so tight what is this for I can't even get up and down sit down I sit down I have little creases on my legs I was like this is silly this is ridiculous anything that needs to be dry cleaned what's the point but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna miss a moment of I can put on a real pretty dress (laughs) I'll do my own hair and makeup like I've been doing but again that's another thing like hair and makeup people
2: yeah stylists
3: Stylus, like there's so many places, things, jobs that make this whole thing work that Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, and what's the thing? What are we trying to make work? And what's the priority? And and so, you know, without being out of touch, you want to be connected to the reality of what's happening Mm -hmm. and also be able to appreciate the very special moments that come up. I mean, I'm so touched and it's such a treat and such a sweet thing to be recognized for your work. Mm. What a lovely thing.
2: So let's talk about the competition. Because it is a a competition. The end of the day it is, that's why. Christina Applegate, Rachel Brosnahan, Linda Cardellini, Catherine O'Hara.
3: Okay, let's talk about Catherine. And and then what, what, and then Issa, okay. So Issa and I are friends. If she wins, I win, we're good, I'm good. I'm like, but I'll tell you anything. Listen, any of these women, if they win, all right, any of these women. I grew Christina Applegate is one of my shining uh, stars that I look at. She her, her the 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 longevity of her career, the specificity of her career, um the mastery that she uses with grounded humor that is like the facial expressions like it's beyond. You know what I mean? Linda, I could watch her forever. I watch that show and I just sit there looking at their faces. (laughs) I just look at their faces. I look at their faces. Um, Catherine O'Hara, like, I don't even know what to say there.
2: I I, I mean, it's just.
3: Are there words? I don't think there are words. (laughs) No. No. it's There's no words. Mm -hmm. But, um, I, I mean, we could go on. Rachel, like, you know, Issa... What I will say is, it's such a testament. And there's so many more, by the way. There's so many other women that could be nominated as well. And it is an honor just to be nominated. I feel um, tickled and buoyed by the company.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and not only the company in the category this year, but the legacy of nominees. <laughs>
1: you know what I mean? Yeah.
3: This is what you call some good stuff. So I I feel honored and I still want to win.
2: You know what? I'm glad you said that. Because that's what you gotta say. The the fact is it's an honor to be nominated, but it's even better to win. Period, the end. Come on. <laughs> um and what a great year for people of color with the Emmys.
3: Yeah, you know, it's about time. I don't know what the hell's been happening. It's ridiculous. <laughs> This is like a joke to me, but that's besides the point. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's a great year and I'm really sick of 2020 and this, you know, at at this point in our lives and in the legacy of America that we're still saying it's a great year for people of color. It's like, oh, come on. What are you guys doing? This is ridiculous. It's just the same, you know, there's (laughs) an. Come on, come on, come on, people look around. Look what our world looks like. Let's 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 make this happen. It's the same thing, you know. When I won the Golden Globe, that's what I said for women, um, women of color, and and people of color, colorful people who are out here living lives and um, experiences and being extraordinary all over the place. It would be nice if we could um, keep filling up our worlds with uh, so that they match what what it actually looks like.
2: I don't know. So let's talk about your Instagram, 8.9 million followers. Don't tell me you did, don't even tell me you don't look at the numbers.
3: No, are you, are you kidding me? Not only do I look at the numbers, but I like, I, you know what I call them when you get, a, when you get a post that has high numbers, I call them high rollers. I'm like, God, I love a high roller. I love a high roller. I don't like those low rollers.
2: What, what do you want to do with your Instagram? Because it's, you have your fun stuff. You have your workout, you have your politics. It's just, I feel like it is, it's not, which I like, it's not so curated. You look at other famous people. It's a crazy
3: magazine.
2: Right. I I do it
3: myself. I have one gal that helps me because I'm useless with certain things, like finding someone's handle. I have such a tendency to tag the wrong people (laughs) to the point that I was like, I need to stop. Like, I need to stop. Like, let me just, so, um, or you can tell when I have like, like, I, it's all me. Like I make the videos, I edit it on my phone. I'm like the crazy lady who's like, <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, Oh, what if I said like my favorite, I'm still tickled by my caption, my bathing suit picture. I'm still tickled by that <laughs> caption. I said pool party, but I don't have a pool. I'm, a and pool. I'm too scared to have a party. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. I tickled myself.
2: Okay, by the way, Google Tracy Ellis Ross right now. Every headline is Tracy Stuns in Bikini. Look at Tracy's bikini. Tracy in a bikini. Tracy in a bikini.
3: Let me tell you something. There is nothing like a good angle and a nice inhale because the outtakes were a little different. But you know what I mean? You get those arms up, you stretch this out, you cross that leg, you pull that across. And then you, and oh, my God, your 47-year-old yourself looks like, boom. And then you're like, Exactly. exactly. (laughs) The edit, the edit was so funny. Like, this one, no. This one, no. This one, no. This one, no. This one, this one. one.
2: (laughs) I know, last night, one of our dogs is, like, laying in my lap, and my husband looks over, he goes, oh, my God. And he picks up his phone. I'm like, oh, no, you're not. My stomach, like no shirt. I'm like, no, 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 no. No, there's no lighting that's going to make that look good. You're yeah, see, it.
3: you know, that that's the whole beauty of it. My Instagram is a Tracy magazine. It's like, it's a reflection of my world.
2: It's your brain. It's your brain.
3: Yeah, it's, it it's a combination of my brain and my
1: heart. So we got to talk about singing. Oh, please, would you? That voice. yo yo Who knew? Not even me. I mean, it makes sense. <laughs>
3: I mean, you know, it could it could also not make sense. You know, it'd be awful and be like, "Ugh." Um, I mean, what a treat at this age to like really find something that I've always wanted to do and be like, "Oh, not so bad. That's okay. I could do that."
2: Were you nervous to do it because of your mom? Who your mom is?
3: Listen to me. I was terrified. Yeah. Both because of my mo- who my mom is and the threat of comparison. We live in a cancel culture. So, you know, people are real quick to decide you suck. Nasty, yeah. Yeah. Um, and also because, I don't know about you, but the older you get, the more aware of the risks you are. And the longer mm-hmm. you wait to do something, the scarier it gets. And yeah. so, it, you know, it, it's like when you're a kid, it's not so... So scary to fall when you learn how to ski. But when you're an adult, like, you're like, I know what's down there. And I know what it could hurt. Like, I have enough experience with <laughs> hurt. So I was terrified. But it was so worth it. It was so worth walking through the fear and towards a dream. And I felt complete freedom and liberation on the other side. I'm so grateful I took the leap.
2: So do you, do you call your mom and say, by the way? Like, you know, I've seen you. You've gone on stage with her. And you've done your thing. But this is Other Level.
3: It is Other Level. I know I told her I got a movie I really wanted over Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving before I got the role. She said something else about me singing because she's always like, she knew I wanted to sing. So she was, she's always like, I think you should record an album now. She said it when I was 22 and I was like, okay, mom. Um, But over Thanksgiving, she said it again. Like after we did the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. She was like, you know, I'm just telling you, I can hear you singing when we're out there on the float. I could hear you. I think it might be time. I was like, you know what, Mom? All I can say is if I get this role that I really want that I'm not going to say anything else about, that might happen. And then when I got it, then I told her I got it, but I don't know that I was specific about the singing. And then when I finally played them for her, and that was such a sweet experience. Um,
2: What does that, okay, listen. I mean, obviously she's not my mother because I can't imagine it. It's one thing to play, oh, mom, I recorded a song, but your mom is Diana Ross. Yeah, so there's you, so many levels. Yeah. No?
3: No. I mean, I, it, it, I mean yeah, but no. She's so my mom. I don't... Right. So it didn't... There was nothing about it that was like I'm playing my songs for Diana Ross. I wasn't right. like I'm playing my songs for, you know, Aretha Franklin. I was playing my songs for my mom. And um, my mom is also, you know, to know my mom like her kids can do no wrong like I think that the fear for me is that she wouldn't be honest and she would just say it was great I had to play it for other people because my mom will be like it's incredible I'm crying look at what you've done you know and then I get I play it for the world and they're like that's garbage like what do you
2: <laughs> you're like but Diana Ross said it was good yeah
3: they're like no I think your mom told you it was good <laughs> So, um, but yeah, it was exciting. And I know she was, she just felt so much pride because she's known mm-hmm. how long I wanted to sing. I, I don't know if you've heard, but what I, what she said, crying tears down her face and mine were holding hands in my car. And the first word that came out of her mouth was finally.
2: So are you going to pursue it more?
1: Or is it I would one-off? love to,
3: you know, the pandemic got things a little, uh, a little confused here. I, yeah. I, would have loved to, in the promotion of the film, be out performing a little bit and stuff. Um, I would love to record. I would love to see what kind of songs Tracy, what kind of songs I choose. You know, those were all for the movie. But we'll see. Hmm.
2: What kind of music do you want to record?
3: I have no idea. I have no idea. I mean, I do, but like, I don't know.
2: (laughs) You do, but you don't.
3: (laughs) But I I don't. I don't know.
2: And who do you want to see on Blackish? Who's that dream guest? I know what Anthony Anderson always says.
3: What does he say? The Obamas? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we all we all would love them on. Um, it would be nice to finish out our show at some point, like whenever the end is, that they're like, they're the end, you know?
2: They're just standing there.
3: <laughs> end it, it just no, feels no, no. Like, they, they, like we should wait for that moment. Um, I don't know. Who else would I love on the show? I don't know. I'm bad at that. I'm not like good at casting.
2: And what do you think is going to happen in 2020 in November?
3: Um, I think this is uh, every every election is incredibly important, especially for those. Um, it is urgent always for those that are most vulnerable and that. Um, are the most affected by the inequity that is built into the fabric of this country. Um, But we are in a very particularly urgent time right now. Um, And this is not a time to stick your head in the sand. Um, This is not a time to claim or to think that your vote doesn't matter. And we say it every year, but there is a genuine urgency to this. I think democracy is at stake. I think um, civilization as we know it, like the civility that we live in um, and the agreements that we have around that kind of human civility is at stake. We are still as a country grappling with and reckoning with and and walking towards a more equal and a just society that we have been doing. Um, It is at the forefront and particularly urgent in the context of the presidency that we are under, you know, the administration and and how it's operating. So I just feel like this is really a moment for everybody. And and it's not just you. It's like, you need to grab those friends that don't uh, think that it's urgent. And I need to grab those people that don't think it's urgent. And we all need to participate in whatever way we feel comfortable. And Continue to push our own comfort level in how we reach out and stay active.
2: When are you running for office?
3: I am not running for office. <laughs> but it's, it's not a joke. And, yeah. um, and we can see, you know, this pandemic really pulled the curtain on what has always been true, which is that we are only as strong as our most, most vulnerable neighbor. But we really see the inequities of this country. Like glaring right now, you know, with unemployment and um, and also how people are affected by the disease, but like by the virus, whatever you call it, I don't know this evil thing. So it's a it's a really intense time, and I think the only thing that quells my fear and anxiety is when I stay active and I get informed. Those are the two things. When I sit back, it just makes me more scared.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Tracy, you're amazing. That was Tracy Ellis Ross. I'm going to take a short break, but when I come back, Samantha B. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. I have to admit, I was a little nervous going into my interview with Samantha B. She's just so genius and such a political powerhouse that I was worried I wouldn't be able to keep up. Well, she is all those things, but as seriously concerned she is about the state of the country. She doesn't take herself too seriously. Here's Samantha B.
0: This room is awful, but it's mine. What can I say? It's my guest room. My dad sleeps in here.
2: Is your dad sleeping
0: right now? <laughs> yeah, he's he's under the bed. <laughs> I tucked him in a wicker box. Okay,
2: that's a little different. Comfortably
0: that's- uh, under, just slid him under the bed on rollers. That's- that's a true crime podcast, I believe. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe.
2: <laughs> How are you, Samantha B? I'm
0: all right. How are you? I'm so excited. This is my first How's time talking to you. Quarantine time? What are we, like 150 million days in?
2: You know, yesterday I tweeted, How the fuck is it August 18th?
0: I, <laughs> I am with you. I'm with you.
2: I literally was not the, And I said, and I <laughs> expanded. I was like, it's not a special day for me. There's no holiday, no okay. birthday. How the fuck is it? August
0: 18th. Oh, I have no idea. And as you said, those words, <laughs> I went in my head. It's August 18th. Like, it feels like May. Like it's a little cooler out here too. I'm kind of wearing a jacket and it feels right. I'm like, it's the spring, right? What? What happens next?
2: Yeah. No. it's all, It's also 120 degrees in Los Angeles right now. Okay. It's so bad. Okay. It's oh, that's s- terrible. I literally, yesterday, I walked out for a second, threw the dogs out into the backyard. Pee, come back in. I'm like, I'm not going outside. No, don't
0: go outside. No, no, no. That's um, not
2: good. How are you coping in quarantine? How's your dad?
0: My dad's <laughs> actually, like, I'm shoot, I sh- basically, I shoot a whole lot of the show. Like, any interview that I do, I do in this guest room where he normally sleeps, but he's actually, we're from Canada, so he's across the Canadian, he went across the Canadian border just before the full lockdown and they closed the border. So I haven't seen him since February and he's going crazy. And I am also going crazy because our entire family is there and we have no way to, we have no way to connect. So it's very, he's very upset. He's, now, he can't tell me about his doctor's appointments in person. He has to do it via text and all of his blood work, all the results. I got
2: it. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Give him my mom's number. They could talk.
0: Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> he needs a pen pal. He needs a better pen pal than me because I know his blood work is fine, but he does not believe me. And I was keep trying to tell him. I'm like, no, I'm a, sci- I'm a full scientist now. Like, I've got it. You don't have to worry. These levels are great. 800? Sure. You're at the peak of your health.
1: <laughs>
2: mm. Had you thought about just going off to Canada for
0: all of this? Because apparently, Canada is doing better than we are, right? Canada's doing pretty well. Parts of Canada are doing less great. Mm. Uh, I have not actually really contemplated that all that sincerely. Like, I have sort of thought, because my kids go to New York city public schools. And so they're scheduled to go back to school kind of like mid early to mid September. And I have considered that if that gets, if that date gets pushed, I may try to go back, um, and just shoot the show from Canada for just a couple of weeks, but we'd be quarantined there. So that's, is a bit difficult too. So it's okay. It's kind of like if they come here, they'll, if my family comes here, they're quarantined. If we go there, we're very quarantined, very locked down, so I'm not sure what to do. I'm waiting for the heavens to, to tell me what to do. I'm waiting for the universe to guide me. I'll, I'll just be here in this room until 2023.
1: <laughs> so four Emmy nominations for the show, how exciting. Yes. I'm very excited. If I could be you. And you could be me.
2: How do you find the balance of like being joyful and celebrating that, but being mindful of the time we're in?
0: Sure. It's not like, it's not really the time to go out in the world and like beat your chest with, you know, there's a lot of other stuff happening. And I will say, and I did say this to my staff when we got the nominations that like, you know, it's, it's very clear that, it's you know the world has really changed and we're all working in the weirdest of possible circumstances and it's not like i mean like we don't get together and make a show so that we can get prizes you know that's not why we do what we do but it is nice from time to time get a little outside validation and just to have a nice day to just bask in that a little bit and like you have to you do have to find a little joy in all of this you do have to celebrate yourself a little bit it doesn't mean you have to like you know get a skywriter and go like (laughs) look at us oh my god we're incredible but um you know you just have like a little nice just gives you a glow maybe it's temporary you have an emmy you have an emmy glow
2: you have a little emmy glow it's nice (laughs) so i'm assuming you're watching the convention you're hearing a lot of people saying like I'm watching more of it than I ever did.
0: I think that's true. I am watching. I am, because I'm watching it, I'm focusing on it. You know, when you're actually there, you, there's so much happening. And a lot of the people who would, who spoke, and uh, and it was very condensed, which is actually really helpful Right. um, because a lot of that stuff just takes forever and kind of would, in a normal year, would go all day. Like you wouldn't end up seeing that you're like in line for the bathroom and trying to get an interview over here. It's just like a lot of people milling about and then everybody is going to get a wet Turkey sandwich at the kiosk. Cause you can't, or like lining up for the CNN grill or <laughs> some bullshit like that. So <laughs> this is actually, it's a more focused kind of attention, which I think is actually good. And, and they've done a, they've done a pretty good job. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a little, it's, You know what I mean? I loved the roll call. That's all I'm going to say. The roll call was awesome. I was here for it. I was like, this is, it's like a, it's like a loose meat sandwich of a thing. I like there's like highs and lows and calamari and like really great people. (laughs) I loved it. It was rollicking. That went very well.
2: Are we going to miss though? Bill Clinton playing with balloons.
0: Well, uh, you know, I mean, we can always look back. We can, we always have, we have video of that. We can enjoy that anytime we want. Kicking balloons. (laughs) What are these magical orbs? They're light. They bounce and they're so colorful. That's for us. Anytime. Just need a little boost.
2: See, I miss, I miss the big music moments when they walk out on stage and that music is playing.
0: Yeah, That's I mean, the, definitely there's, it's a convivial atmosphere or it's, it's frenetic and it's your feet hurt. Like it's, do you, how many have you gone to? Have you gone? I've never, gone, gone, to to one. One?
2: I've never yeah. gone to one. I've
0: oh. never gone to one.
2: Never. I know.
0: Oh, you're no. so deprived. Well, wow. I am. I am.
2: I think, I would you're, I think
0: you're okay. I don't think you needed it in your life. <laughs> no,
2: like, no, I want to. I want to.
0: It's not that fun. It's very uh, the first time I ever went to one was 2004, and I was in awe, like not in a good way. I was just like, "This is a lot of waste. You know, as a practical Canadian, I was like, "You could do this more simply. I could yeah. If do you want me to produce this, I could do this in 20 minutes. Like I could get this done, but I guess that's not what it's for.
2: <laughs> I, so I understand. So who, I mean, who's impressed you the most so far in their speeches?
0: Oh, gee. Well oh, now I can't remember anything that happened. So great. <laughs> I don't, I don't. There were some, oh, well, Michelle Obama was great, but that was yeah. expected. Did. You know, surprise me by being bad next time. Yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, she, was, she was amazing. She was incredible. Kamala's going to be great. I'm excited for that. You know, I'm excited. It's she's gonna be great.
2: Are you hopeful?
0: Dare I allow myself to feel hope? I mean, again, like a little bit like celebrating an Emmy nomination. You have to just give yourself a moment where you go, "Is it possible that we could be okay? Like, could we do this?" And you go, "Yeah, it's possible. We can. We can pull this out." Mm. I hope it's not a squeaker. Like, I hope it's real, you know. Um, But basically, the tone we're taking of the show, and I just, like, on the show tonight, I'm basically like, you know, expect the worst. Because when you expect the worst, you plan for every outcome, which we did not have a plan last time. We need Mm. a, you gotta have a plan. Gotta have, you know, gotta have something to hold on to. So I'm just, I'm kind of like planning for the worst, and hoping for the best. It's like an old wives tale. It's like very grandmother yeah. wisdom, but I'm going with it.
2: When you started doing the show in quarantine, how surreal was that? And were you able, were you able to find the? I mean, I couldn't tell if you didn't, but were you able to find the rhythm right away? Was it
0: I think so? Yeah. I don't, it was, you know. I don't mind shooting the show in my backyard like I don't that part of the process is fine I think at the beginning when we started doing it in quarantine it was like exciting because we were we didn't know if we could actually do it and then once we figured out we could actually do it then I think we had a kind of a plateau where we're like now we do this and now I think it's a time of discovery. What can we do differently? How can we elevate this process? Because I do think we'll still be doing this for a while. I think I found the rhythm pretty quickly. It doesn't I'm do I don't come from a stand-up background. Like I love stand-up, but I don't do that myself. So I don't actually I don't require applause or audience feedback. If anything, I'm mm. I, it's there's more ease. I can try things a few different ways. I don't mind because you do when you have an audience, and I love our audience, by the way, it was always a really communal experience, but when you don't have an audience, you get to do the material exactly as you wish. You know, when you are working with an audience, you're kind of, you're taking on their energy and you're taking on their rhythm a little bit. And you're, you, you know, where the laugh lines are, and you know what you're kind of like, you're, you're hitting these peaks and valleys and plateaus and stuff. So without that, I, I'm, I'm having a good time just kind of experimenting with that. Mm. It's weird to perform the show for my husband. Honestly, that part is weird. Like, at first he was really into it. <laughs> he really was like, you know, we're just like framing it and like, try this and adjusting this and, and that. And now he just, he got himself, <laughs> he got himself like a folding chair. And one of those fans that sprays it fans and sprays you and spritzes you, and he has like a neck gator, a hat. So he just sits in a folding chair and sprays himself and and reads, <laughs> or like, and then he'll get up sometimes and go like, yeah. Listen, I've whatever.
2: I've been married going on seven years, my husband and I, and you just basically describe marriage.
0: Yeah, oh, like
2: at the yes. beginning, you try this, try that position. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, try this, <laughs> get your leg over here. And they're like, you know what? It works. If we just lay here, it works the same. The end is the same. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully we're going to end up with a show or an orgasm or something. Something's going to happen. Hopefully. How, how
2: often do you find yourself? Obviously we know there was that whole thing with the C word. How often oh. do you find your, find yourself, do you censor yourself? Do you think twice now about... Because I'm sure you really want to just... Re- I mean, you you do already, but...
0: Not that I will <clears throat> say that we pre-staged a lot of other people's thoughts. <laughs> um, no, I don't really. I say what I want to say. I do think, like, the show... Uh, is a little it's a little bit different in the forest because again you're not really you aren't playing for that audience appreciation in the same way so um, and so the the, just like the volume of it is a little different and it does I know this doesn't this doesn't make a, a heck of a lot of sense and I have a lot of very obviously upset we're all upset all the time but there's something about being in the backyard and everything's so green and like there's dragonflies are buzzing around and there's ants all over my feet that just assuages the really hard edges a little bit. <laughs> like it's so absurd right. that it's hard to, when you like, it's hard to really attack the camera in the same way. It is just like, a, right. it's like a, just a different experience. I won't say that it's less of a point of view or anything like that, but it is, it feels weird to be super angry in the, Even though I am, (laughs) it's just like a different volume of performance in a in a a weird way.
2: Do your kids know how upset you are?
0: Yeah, we're really open with them. They, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're they're upset. Like they want a normal life too. But we're not. We don't.
2: You're not you're not running around the house doing your monologue.
0: No, I, that's not, I wouldn't I mean, that's just not how I I couldn't, who could, who could be that version of a human being? Oh my God. It's, Holly, it's Hollywood. Awful. It's Hollywood. No, it's normal life. It's normal life. My children are desperately unimpressed with me. It's awful. Like they think I'm <laughs> such a loser and that's great. And so we're just, we spend a lot of time together. We're teaching them how to play poker They want the world to be different. We don't, they listen to the news all the time because I listen to the news all the time. So they absorb this information. We don't shy away from it. They're old enough to understand. They're old enough to understand and and appreciate the stakes. I think to the extent that a 12 year old can understand the stakes, they get it. They get it. They wear their masks. You know what? But it's,
2: it's, it's nice that you say that because there are a lot of people in the Mm -hmm. Hollywood land like oh my kids really don't know what I do you know they're they just they just no 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 they're not involved like I love the fact that you're saying yeah your kids of course know what's going on and they know what's going on with you
0: for sure and also they sort of we keep trying to rope them into helping us shoot the show because we need extra hands and they hate it at first they like they were into it too right they don't find me funny in the least like they would never so it was actually a little harder to perform the it's hard to perform the show for Jason alone but it's (laughs) way harder when your children are standing there and they're just like what are you talking about
2: did you get self-conscious
0: up a filter and they're like I hate this can I leave oh that's
2: i mean i know like when i do on camera stuff and if there's like a camera guy who i know does not care what i'm talking about right and he's sitting behind there and he's practically on his phone yeah i get so (laughs) self-conscious
0: it's like walking into like in early days of when i used to audition for stuff when i was like in my 20s sometimes you'd walk into a room full of people and you were just like so jangled and nervous and they'd be just like In the middle of your audition, order a turkey club on their phone. You know what I mean? It's the most unsettling. It's it's terrible. Humiliating.
2: So so let's say you go into an office building. Sure. And it's regular times. It's not pandemic time. So you could be in an elevator. You could be in an elevator with someone. Door opens, Uh and it's Donald Trump, and you walk in. Doors close. What
0: do you say? Oh, God. What what would I say? Oh, I, th- I just, well, I think I would honestly just say, I think you are doing a terrible job. I don't understand where you're coming from. Like, can't you just step down? Why don't you just stop? Why are you even trying to be the president? We can all see how much you hate it, how much you loathe this experience and how much you just want to win. And it's very, and it's pathetic. I think I would just monologue, but also be a reasonable person. I would, I think I would have a normal there's no other way that I could be. I don't have a. I don't have a monologue prepared for that right, moment. Right, right. But I think that I think I would just start talking, and he would hate it. He would not be listening. He would definitely be on his phone, and he wouldn't Tweet, know he'd I be. He'd
2: be tweeting about you as you were doing.
0: <laughs> God. <fuck.
2: laughs> if you were running for office, what would your slogan be?
0: Oh, oh. Like, I really would just be like, oh, for fuck's sake, would you just vote for me? I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) I don't know. I don't. I don't. I would never run for I actually, that's, that is not an aspiration of mine whatsoever. So maybe I don't know what I'm doing. Unless Donald Trump Jr. runs for mayor of New York City. And then I will too.
2: Is that a thing?
0: Oh, he said it. A while back, I don't think I'm, that. From,
2: I'm from New York. So
0: it's... he did say it. He did say it. He did say it. I know. Look at your face. You're like, whoa! It might like my head could spin. It would spin. Wow, this is mind blowing. Could you imagine?
2: So, do you have the request in already to Biden saying, if you win,
0: mm-hmm.
2: will you be on my show?
0: I've had a running request. I have requests into all. Of you. <laughs> <laughs> actually, not Donald Trump. I don't have a request. in You've
2: him. never you've never them. requested?
0: Not, you know. But I think I have requests in for all of them. They just sort of say no or put you off or whatever. They could go on the other shows. I think they think, and it's really not accurate, because I think I do really fair and interesting interviews with mm-hmm. political people. I think I'm very good at it, and I like talking to them. So I think I would actually do a great job, but I think they think or they have some, like, impression that it would be, like... Like it just like attack mode and <laughs> it would be a, a i don't i don't know what they think but i i just get sort of turned down or not turned down but just sort of ignored whatever <laughs> i, didn't I didn't have, talk about everyone equally if none of them give me right? the time okay. although i did have kamala on twice and she was great like great great to talk to great mm-hmm. to be in room with like a full human being like, right. did you gonna have like a That it's not all talking points. It's not all just like, here are the beats I want to hit in this interview. But like, like a real, a fully realized human being with a life outside of this moment. It's really, she was great to talk to. She's great.
2: You wouldn't want Donald Trump on the show if the opportunity presented itself?
0: I get. I mean, no, I don't. It's not like you could see He's impenetrable. He's an impenetrable narcissist. I don't know what would be gained. Mm -hmm. I don't know what would be gained. I know that my soul would exit my body. Like I think it would be, I'm not sure that I really would, and this is, I really would consider that slumming. Like I don't love to give voice to conspiracy Mm -hmm. theorists and things like that because when you, you end up just, he doesn't, I wouldn't be elevating his voice, but would I be giving credence to his views. I mean, literally, he just, lie. he just spends the whole time lying. I think it's useless. He doesn't know what mm-hmm. he's talking about or he's lying. So what truly is the point?
2: It's a good point. What is the point? Yeah. So who is, who is the big dream, dream guest you want? Who do you want? The
0: big dream guest. Gee, it's literally like, I don't, that's so funny. I don't really dream of Dream of guests, except I've always wanted to have the Foo Fighters on. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of a dream, or the you know, or
2: okay, let's make that happen right now. What's your pitch to the Foo Fighters? Why should they come on your show?
0: You know, I just think it would be like a for me. The pitch is very self centered, but when I. It is. It's strange. And it actually really is, but I love, I love them and I love Dave Grohl and I think they're great. And I do enjoy, I do enjoy having music on the show. I truly do. Um, I, it would bracket, it would kind of bracket my news satire career very beautifully for me because we, um, when I first was, this is, this is a long-winded story, but when I first came to okay. New York and I was auditioning in person for The Daily Show, so it was a callback. I came to, I came to the in-person studio, and they had there was a playlist of music that was played, and it was a really it was so emotional for me because I was like, I came to see the show the night before I was auditioning because I thought I wanted like to see the space. I just like to know where I am physically, and they had a playlist, and there was a Foo Fighter song, and I got so emotional listening to it. And it just represented something so huge, like the the hugest opportunity. And so every time that song comes on the radio or like the radio or anytime I hear it, I'm like, it takes me right back to that. Like I was in my thirties, but I feel like a kid. Like I just go Mm -hmm. right back to that moment of like, this is where it really began. So that's it's, a, it's
2: a sensory memory. It's that kind of...
0: Really, it really is, yeah.
2: I think, you know what? We're going to have to make this happen.
0: Oh, could you imagine?
2: Yes, I can. Easily. <laughs> <laughs> you just gave a very beautiful... Maybe. I don't know. Very beautiful pitch to get them on the show.
0: Emotional. I would cry the whole time, so it's probably... They should say no, because I'd just be in tears the whole time. <laughs> It'd be very ridiculous.
2: <laughs> and no, now I'm
0: just...
2: A fun question for you. What was the first audition you ever went on?
0: Ooh, interesting question. (laughs) I was very, I know it was very bad. Oh, I do remember. Oh, God. Okay. The first audition I ever went on was for a movie, like a a real audition, like for a real thing, Mm -hmm. was for a Shirley MacLaine movie called Mrs. Winterbottom. I think it was called yes. Mr. Mrs. Winterborn, Mrs. Winterbottom. Winter. Something like that. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, I went and I read for the part of, I don't know, like a, a housekeeper or something like that. I don't think there was, there's no character name. I really, and that represented a very high point because after mm-hmm. that audition, I then auditioned for. One thousand things that never got made, and you've never heard of <laughs> for worse roles.
2: <laughs> wait, I just love. Wait, I just love that you auditioned to play a mate. Like you bring a feather duster and show them.
0: Uh, no, I think duster. it was like two lines, and I was so I was so naive, so as not to even be nervous. Like I didn't even know enough to know that the stakes were very high, mm-hmm. because when I kind of, when I left theater school, like I think I did a very good job. I was impressive in theater school, (laughs) whatever. And so when I left theater school, I was like, I'm going to be auditioning all the time for so many things. So it was just a very natural extension. Like this is a movie. I'll go in for it. And then I absolutely hit rock bottom (laughs) for (laughs) 10 years. You know Mm. what I mean? Like no one would hire me. So it was, it what I didn't know at the time was that was the absolute height for a really, really long time. I should have appreciated it more.
2: (laughs) Do you want to do more acting? No, not at all. No, no,
0: no, unless, I mean, my husband's, I mean, he's a TV creator um, director. So if he does another, I mean, he, he will do another project. He's (laughs) working on multiple projects. So when he cooks something up, I'll, I'll be in that, but I don't, it's not an aspiration of mine at all. Not particularly.
2: After Shirley MacLaine and the
0: maid. After Shirley MacLaine, and I didn't even get the part. I definitely did not get the part. I mean, definitely did not. Or
2: maybe you did, and you're not telling me.
0: (laughs) I did play, oh, I was just talking about this with the writers the other day. I did play a character called Cinnabon Girl in The Love Guru. And I got cut out of that. I also played a variety of roles where I just so I like got cut out of stuff. So that is and, not you got, a and you got cut out. Cut out of the love guru. They were like, this isn't good enough for this great project.
2: <laughs> Do you remember what your line was? I'm assuming it was one line.
0: <laughs> oh, it was one. Maybe like a line and a look. Like, can I help you, sir? Mm-hmm. Or something. You know, it was like, it was like that. <laughs> Sure. oh my god cinnabon girl and a cinnabon girl yeah yeah i wore a cinnabon outfit
2: samantha v this was so much fun i want to keep
0: going was <laughs> Ew. this was a yeah, total was pleasure fun. you made my day thank you so thank much you so much samantha take care bye you too bye, bye.
2: that was samantha b and that's it for today's episode of the big ticket thanks for listening Coming up next week, a full roster that includes Bill & Ted Face the Music stars Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter, James Corden, and Paul Meskel, among many others. Until then, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mark Malkin. And for all your up-to-the-minute Hollywood news, head over to Variety.com. Stay safe, be well, and please wear a mask. See you next week.